We will be in Romans chapter 16, starting at verse 25. Now, I forgot to give a disclaimer to the first service that I can, be a ten, I can tend to be a crier when it comes to these things, all right? So bear with me if I'm crying. It's not because I'm sad or anything. I just get passionate about certain things. So there's your disclaimer up front. So as we turn there to Romans chapter 16, starting at verse 25, I'm going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we will dive in. Father, I'm just grateful that we get to gather here as a family, Lord, uh, to open your word, to go deeper into knowing you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as we close out this benediction series, reading this beautiful doxology written by the Apostle Paul, Father, I pray that we as believers would have new affections toward your gospel, towards you, Lord. That the news that we know is the good news, Lord, I pray that it would no longer be the common news or the old news in our minds. That we would center our hearts and our lives around the truth of your word. That we would find you sufficient for our strength, Father. Give us this grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So if you guys are with me, we can turn to verse 25, and it says, Now to him who is able to establish or strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So as we will see today, closing out this benediction series, we will be able to look closely into Paul's closing benediction of the epistle to the Romans. Paul writes his benediction in the form of a doxology, which a definition of it is a word or expression of praise that gives glory to God. And there's no more fitting way for Paul to end his writings to the Romans than giving praise to God for the gospel. And that is the focus of today is for us as a church to purpose to glorify God in like mind as the Apostle Paul, namely for what he has done and for what he is able to do through his son, which we as believers around the world know to be communicated as the gospel. But oftentimes through various seasons of our lives, believers included, that oftentimes this good news, when we hear of the teachings on the gospel, sometimes it tends to be the old news to us or the common news, something that we hear daily and hear often. It doesn't invoke the same emotions as when we first got saved. I remember when the Lord brought about my new birth years ago and that fire that I had, that zeal, the passion that I had behind the gospel. And yet, as I watched over the years, sometimes when I hear the gospel message, it does not bring that same passion within me. Sometimes I fear that the gospel message is something that we believers believe is just for those who are lost and not also for us who are continuing in the faith. But as I remind high school life and myself, and as well as I get the opportunity to remind each and every one of you today of this one saying that I always say, is that we as Christians, we never graduate from the gospel. The gospel is not something that we begin our walk with and then move on to something else to strengthen ourselves. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for 20 plus years or if today be the first day you begin your walk with the Lord, one truth remains and it is this. As the Apostle Paul writes, the gospel is the power of God into salvation, nothing else. 
And this accomplishment that God has brought about through the birth, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection, and ascension of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the thing by which we must center our lives around and draw strength from. The same message that saved you however many years ago is the same message that will sustain you. See, the gospel is not something that we leave in our life. It is the means and the news of our salvation and the strength until glorification. Look with me again in verse 25. The Apostle Paul says, Now to him who is able. If you guys remember as we went through the benediction of Jude, Jude uses the same language here in his, and it should be on the screen for you here shortly. Bam! There it is. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Pastor Chet did a wonderful job on expounding on this truth for us. And here we see Paul notes using the same language, him who is able to strengthen or establish you. But it's important for us to understand and know, most of us do know if you've spent any amount of time in the Word or in church, that yes, God is able to strengthen us. But as I said in first service, it's intimately a more comforting thing to know exactly how God does what he is able to do. And Paul lays it out perfect for us here. He says that he who is able to strengthen us according to my gospel. Which leads me to my first point. God strengthens us by the gospel. But before we dive into any deeper of what this point is, we must first define what does Paul mean by my gospel? What is Paul's gospel? If you guys look to the latter part of me with me, in verse 25, it says, Paul clarifies, he says, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. See, Paul clarifies for us what his gospel is, and we know in the beginning of Romans, Paul attributes the gospel to be God's gospel. So just as much as it's Paul's gospel, it is our gospel to proclaim. Paul clarifies that this gospel that is his, that he takes ownership of, was founded and kept in the wisdom of God since the world began. That it was prophesied by the prophets of the Old Testament, and it was revealed and fulfilled in Christ our Lord. This gospel which Paul writes here, which is now being made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God. And each and every one of us in your hands holds that same truth. We should treasure the truth in the word of God. Now, why is this important? Why did I spend that little bit of time diving in deep into clarifying what Paul's gospel is? It's because the entirety of our faith is founded in the true gospel of Christ. If we get the gospel wrong, Everything else, therefore, after that will be wrong. That we as Christians must get this message right. Because it is the gospel that preaches Christ and Christ crucified that saves. It is the one that preaches and proclaims this truth that God uses to strengthen us. God only saves by the true gospel, and God only strengthens us by the true gospel. And it's in knowing Christ and being known in him intimately, relationally, and savingly that we experience the truth of his word. When the Bible talks about knowing Christ, it's not simply just, oh, yeah, I went to school or I went to church and I I learned about him. Knowing Christ is this intimate, relational thing 
that each and every one of us who are in Christ have. This is the kind of knowledge of Christ that strengthens us in our daily walk. It'll be on the screen for you. 2 Peter 1.3, the Apostle Peter proclaims this same truth. He says in 2 Peter 1.3, As his divine power has been given to us all, things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. We see here that, that by Christ and in Christ, through knowing him in this way, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. By his divine power, we have been given these things. And why do I put such, so much emphasis on this fact that it's by his divine power and by knowing him and in him that we have been given these things is because the strength that God supplies through the gospel is founded in Christ. It's not found in yourself. It's not found in the world. The strength that the gospel gives us can only be found in Christ. And as both apostles have spoken into this, this is where I want to bring us into our second point. The substance of our strength is Christ. The substance of our strength is Christ. As I just mentioned, the strength that God gives us is not that of ourselves or of the world. I've wasted many years of my time looking for that strength elsewhere and finding myself back to square one, that the substance of our strength is in Christ. There's a saying that I like to tell myself, it's that strength brings comfort and confidence. When you feel strongly about something, when you are able to do something on your own strength, you get confidence about it. It brings about a comfort versus when you do something that you, you know, maybe struggle with or you're not as passionate or not as strong about. So I wanted to make this a little bit more practical, a little bit more personal. What is your common go-to on a daily basis for strength, for comfort, for confidence? What is those things that you cling onto in your life? Oftentimes as believers, we tend to find our strength, confidence, and comfort in our flesh or the things of this world first, and Christ second. So to the women, what is the thing that you find this from? Is it your outward appearance? Is it your job, your house, your intellect, your husband's salary, the home that you have, your children? What is the thing that you find your confidence and comfort and strength in primarily? And for men, is it your career first, your degree, your salary, what university you went to, how much money you make, how many toys you have? What is the thing that you reach to first? Because like I said, oftentimes we try to find our confidence and our comfort in these things in Christ second. But we as believers should be, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, as he names all of his accolades, all of his accomplishments, all of his rights, and he says, I count them as rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus. That we as believers should have no confidence in flesh. Oftentimes it's easy for us to believe that and know that and live in that way in regards to our salvation. We have no confidence in saving ourselves. But as believers, we should have that same lack of confidence in the flesh in our daily walks. That each and every day when I wake up, I remind myself of this truth, that the only reason I will be able to get out of my bed and walk is by the strength of God. The only reason that we are gathered here today, that you were allowed to be here today, is by the strength we have in God. That the creator and the sustainer of the universe is by whom we find our strength. That we as Christians, we should be, as the psalmist says in Psalm 73, 25 to 26, and it'll be on the screen for you. 
Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, whether you are in the season parts of life or you're 15 and under, wherever you may find yourself, the truth of that scripture, if I can get it back up, please. Thank you. The truth of Psalms 73, 25 to 26 is that there will come a point in your life where you will be able to say, my flesh and my heart fail. And in that moment, regardless of how old you are, how long you've been walking with the Lord, because we live in this fallen world, because of sin, there will come a point in your life where your heart and your flesh will fail. And you have a choice in that moment. To be like the psalmist says there, to look to God as your strength and as your refuge, or to look to the world or to yourself. We are to be a people that look to God for our strength. My point being is that whether you are female or male, whether you are married, single, whether you have kids, whether you are rich or poor, the reality of the truth of God that Christ is the source of our strength, that we as believers can look nowhere else for this strength. Because through the gospel, whatever season we may find ourselves in, whether it be new beginnings, coming ends, loss, grief, new birth, wherever we may find ourselves in, we must look to Christ daily and find ourselves lacking nothing, complete in him. See, through the gospel, women, you have a strength, you have an identity that is more empowering, more assured than anything you will find in this world. The world tells you to identify, to strive after all these things. But women, we must, you must find your confidence and your strength in who you are in Christ. As I get to minister to the girls of high school and I have my own daughter that I'm being able to raise up in the world, my one passion and heart for them is to find their identity in who they are in Christ. I want them to be able to be like the Proverbs 31 woman who is clothed with this strength, this dignity, that she's able to laugh at the times to come. Why? Because of her confidence in the Lord. That my heart is for the women to know this strength that you have in Christ, this identity that is unchanging. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how your days may be going, the truth remains the same, that you are a daughter of the Most High King. And for men, God has given us strength and power that no amount of time spent in the gym or in the office will supply. That the strength that God has given us men, God supplies us with this strength to build and further one kingdom. And that kingdom is not yours, it is his. God supplies us with power and strength to make one name great among the nations. And that is his name, not ours. That all in all, the strength that God provides to us through the gospel should leave us to be humble people who spend more times on our knees than on our feet. That we come boldly and confidently before God in prayer, knowing that his love has gone before us. That he alone is able to bring about the things by which we are praying to him for. The strength that God gives us makes us able to love our spouses well. The strength that God gives us allows us to raise our children well. The strength that God supplies in Christ allows us to suffer with joy, undergo persecution with hope. This strength the world and yourself cannot offer you. 
Church, what our community needs, what our world needs, what our children need, what we need is people that find their identity, their strength, their comfort, and their confidence in Christ. How can we go out into the world and proclaim a gospel and then us ourselves look to the world for answers? How can we cling to the things of this world which we know are perishing and falling away when God has given us strength in himself, strength that is able to sustain us until the end? See, it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ that God supplies the strength to endure till the end and present you faultless before the throne. The strength that God gives, going on to my final point, the strength that God gives abides forever. The strength that God gives abides forever. Now, why do I have such confidence in this truth? that the strength of the Lord God gives abides forever. Because when I look at the love of God, that motivates and initiated the gospel. When I look at the love of God for us believers in Christ, the Bible lets us know that this is an everlasting love by which he has loved us. In Revelation 14, we read about the angel of the Lord proclaiming the everlasting gospel. That the same gospel that was true and proclaimed in the times of old, which will be proclaimed years after all of us are gone, is everlasting. And because his love is everlasting and eternal, and because his gospel is everlasting and eternal, surely he will give you all things, all strength needed to live out the life he has called you to. Church, the gospel is the root by which we must all draw from. That as a believer, if we are in Christ, if we are an adopted son or daughter, surely he will supply us with the strength to endure till the end. But don't take my word for it. Throw my word out the window. For you all that know me, I am more passionate about what the Lord has to say, more so than my own words. So if you guys are with me, you guys can turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And if you're into life verses, this is a pretty good one that you could probably choose from. It's probably one of the more popular ones. It's not my favorite by any means, but it is a good verse for us to open into. And I want us to see the heart of God, and the assurance that we have in Christ. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans eight twenty eight. he says, and we know. And I want us to stop there. And we know. There are a lot of things throughout Scripture that I hold dear to my heart, and this is one of those things that when I saw those two words, we know, it is something I must constantly reassure myself. I must know this thing to be true. And what is it that we must know, Paul says? that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified." And what I love about that beautiful portion of Scripture is that there's no dropouts. That the one whom he foreknew makes it all the way until they are glorified. Church, this is the assurance that we have in Christ, that if you are in Christ, if you have walked in obedience, if you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ, rest assured you will one day be glorified. That if you are in Christ, there is nothing that can separate you from this love. 
And it's by this conviction, by this word, that I am able to say to you today that the strength that the Lord gives abides forever. But maybe that's not good enough to give you assurance. So on the screen will be John 6, verse 37. I want you all to hear the Lord's words. Jesus spoke and he said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Alright, he gave me a second. Where I was in my life prior to Christ, oftentimes I had this stigma about God that I was too filthy, too sinful to come. That if I would come to Christ, I would be cast out. I would be rejected. But there's a truth about this right here, the heart of Christ for each and every one of us. That the one who chooses to come will by no means be cast out. That wherever you may find yourself in this current season, whether you've been walking faithfully with the Lord, or maybe this past season you have fallen into sin. Or maybe you have never surrendered your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to know, as a brother to a brother, as a brother to a sister, that if you would come to Christ, he will by no means cast you out. It is truth like this, the very heart of Christ, that brings about assurance of our salvation, of his love for us. As continuing in the text, when it gets there, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. That all of those who come to Christ, he will by no means cast out, and those who are in his hands, he will by no means lose none, but raise them up on the last day. Here we see the very heart of the gospel, the the truth that we find in Christ, that if we are in him, he will sustain us and keep us until the end. I want you guys to turn back over with me to Romans 8, if you're already there, picking it up in 31, verse 31, where we left off. The Apostle Paul says, what then shall we say to these things, all the things by which we just read? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, hear the gospel, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, I'm a father of one. So I can relate a little bit more to this passage than I did in previous time, years. I used to give this example in high school all the time of why this one truth, that he who did not spare his own son for you. I put myself into this position where I say, would I give my daughter's life up for the worst of my enemies? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If God did not spare his own son for you, will he not freely give you all things in him? Let us sit and rest in that truth. God spared nothing for you. The best that he had, he didn't give you the least of what he had. He gave you the best that he had. That we would be reconciled to him through his son. Church, I want us to never lose confidence nor lose adoration for the truth of the gospel. Pick it up in verse 33 says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Church, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded. I want us to stop there for a moment. That because of this long exposition that Paul has given us, he was persuaded. My question to you today is, are you? Are you persuaded of the truth of the love and the strength that is founded in Christ? Because if I'm being brutally honest, oftentimes in my life I am not. Sometimes I've thought that I've fallen too far from grace. That, that God's love for me was conditional upon my performance. But I want you to be able to leave today, church, full with confidence and walk in the freedom that Christ has given us. As Paul says, wrapping up the text, he said, I am for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels no principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor debt nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the reality for us as believers. This love that we have in Christ is our assurance. The gospel message is not something for us as believers to put at the behind end of our minds. It is supposed to be at the forefront of our lives. That we are to live in such a way that this truth is evident to all who are around us. The gospel can never become common news for us, church. We must live and breathe the reality and the truth of what we are in Christ. That we would with one voice and one mind glorify God in the truth of the redemption that we have in Christ our Lord.